Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown. And, and this is the Open Heart Cast. Three, two, one. Welcome to this week's episode of the Open Hearth Cast. How you doing, Tim? <laughs> I'm really looking forward to fucking hand sanding the Jeffrey. Oh, what the fuck over? That's a big blade. It's alright. I think I grounded it right, so the hand sanding should be okay. You did a very, very good job in the grinding. Yeah, lots of carefully. Lots of carefully. Yes. It's crazy. That fuller looks amazing. Yeah. Really looks incredible. No, I'm just and tomorrow we, we, we're going to get the handle sorted out. We've got to yeah. taper the tang. Yeah. And we got to get the copper liner sorted mm. and prepped. And cut the wood. Cut the wood. Yeah, yeah. start start gluing up. Yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> we need to get this to Sean. Yeah. So you can make a sheath. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and then uh, we can make a stand for it tomorrow as well. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. So, what else can we talk about? I mean, Brooklyn is next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. Crazy. Or actually, when this podcast comes out, it'll be tomorrow. Yes, <laughs> yes, because we're releasing this on uh, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, mm. from Hello High Water. Definitely not high water, because if it's high water in Joburg, then... Um, you fuck. Yeah, it's a bit of a fuck-up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Tim and I have, have started a new a new program, and it's called... the. We're gonna. I think we should call it the Goggins Program. You can call it that, but I'm not going to say the name. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I said it. So every no, time the rule is that whenever I mention him. No, no, no. Okay. Both both of us. It applies to both of us. Okay. So um because Tim loves uh, David Goggin so much. He, raging hard on for him. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a cool guy. He's 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 a fucking animal. He's an absolute legend. Um, but Tim talks about him a lot, and and I just like ragging Tim. So I said to him today uh, that every time he mentions David Goggins or one of us mentions David Goggins, we're gonna have to do twenty push-ups, which is not a lot. But, but if you talk uh, as much about him as I do, that thousand push-ups yeah. a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. You can talk about him all day, but you got to do the stuff he does, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's an animal. He's an animal. Yeah. He's an animal. In a good way, though. Mm. Very, very good way. So, uh, what grit are you on there? Uh, I'm just starting, so I'm on 320 grit. Oh, yeah. Of course. <clears throat> but, yeah, it'll be a long time, but it's got to be done. It's got to be done. I've got to stop chatting and get the other side up to 2,000 grit. Mm. Starting from 320. 320 and 400 is the worst. So once, you, once you're on 600, it's a home run. Yeah. It's a home run. It's, it's not long before you get there. And you, mm. you, you like, as we spoke about earlier, mm. you use less and less sheets. That's what I've found. At least. Mm. Uh, I normally use, like, on my kitchen knife, I'll use, like, two strips of 320. 
and then I'll use maybe one and a half or four hundred, and then six hundred I can get away with one strip. Eight hundred maybe even half a strip sometimes, and a thousand half a strip. Yeah, yeah. It's just that that initial prep work that has to be done perfectly. Well, if, once you get <clears throat> once you get three twenty mm. and and four hundred done, and everything's perfect. All the scratches are taken out from the from the belt grinder. It's really not long. Uh, look, I suppose that's also dependent on the steel, because some steels are very abrasive resistant. Yeah, stainless steel, stainless shit. I mean, I was hand sanding uh, Nitro 77. That was a ball lag. Yeah. That was a ball lag. Jack makes it look so easy. Well, he's been doing it long enough. Yeah. He knows, he knows. all the tricks. He knows all the tricks. But, uh,. Where was it going to go? Fuck, I don't know. Yeah, well, we, we did a bit of cooking today as well. Yes, we did. We, uh, we cooked the books. Yeah, we, besides <coughs> that, we made some spaghetti ball up your nose. Mm. That sounds very hectic. <laughs> so, yeah, we, uh, we cooked together in the kitchen for Tim's family and, uh, and ourselves, obviously. And uh, yeah, it was a great time. It was nice just hanging out in the kitchen, making some food, and and realizing how bad my uh, my cutting skills are in the kitchen. Well, at least you left with all your fingers. Yeah, sure. Not like Stone and Matt. <laughs> Stone and Matt. <laughs> oh man, we still have to release that episode. Yeah. That's uh, it. Was a very funny episode, I think. Yeah. No, we were all high as fuck. Yeah, on edibles, which yeah. is a very, very different high for those of you who don't know. And for those of you who do, I salute you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so sorry about the uh, the if if you guys can hear the hand sanding in the background and so on. We are busy trying to prep as much as we can for Brooklyn. Are we in Brooklyn mode now? So. We in Brooklyn mode. Yeah, we. It's uh, it's just been go 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 the whole day. Yeah, we've been grafting since early this morning. Oh, when you say early, but yeah, for once Trenton was out of bed before me. For once, yeah. But we did only get to bed at like half past two. Yeah, true, true. It was a good session though. Yeah, was, I mean we, uh, we did some good forging. Session. Yeah, and we did some grinding. Yeah. Did some hand sanding, or Trenton did some hand sanding, and then I did some engraving. That looked incredibly fun, by the way. Yeah, it is fun. I uh, I definitely want to get into that. The only thing I'm scared of is I'll, I'll do nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, you need to make something first to engrave on it. Unless you're just going to do practice pieces. Uh, sorry, how do you mean? Well, what are you going to engrave on? <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, you got to make pieces to engrave on. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something. The thing is, I don't really have an excuse because I've got the engraving sort of. Uh, You've got the gravers. I've got the gravers. So, uh, and it's a full-on set, which is lovely. i just got to learn how to use the tools that I have. 
which is sometimes easier said than done. Because uh, Tim used my my lathe the other day. Oh, that was lucky. And uh, you made it look like an absolute uh, walk in the park. Yeah, but you must remember, I did Pasenai at school. You did what at school? Pasenai. Fitting and turning. Oh. <laughs> so I, I know my way around a lake. I just heard nai and I was like, that's hectic. <laughs> that's school, no fault. Yeah. It's a technical school. You've got to do the practical as well. You are such a dirty man. Yeah, I'm a dirty old man. You're a dirty old man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, sorry for our overseas uh, listeners. You won't understand the context. But, um, yeah, man. What are we talking about? Uh, using your lathe. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. You just got to learn how to use these tools efficiently and effectively and and uh over time i'll get there yeah i'll get there i turned a piece of brass the other day and made a smooth cut which was cool but uh i'm still I'm still very nervous of that lathe yeah you must remember a lathe is a is a killing machine mm. you don't know what you're doing yeah and it's very easy to make a mistake and yes and a lathe is very unforgiving to the human body. It's kind of... Yes, yes. Frogs in your bed. <laughs> it's but, the dog outside wanting to come in. Fuck a duck. Fuck a duck. Right, so I'm ready for my 320 exploits on this uh, kitchen knife that doesn't have a hamon. Which is so fucking frustrating. But it is one of those things, right? Oh, it is what it is. It is what it is. He said that. Uh, things are what they are and will be what they will be. Oh, I don't know. The Tolstoy. Thing was Tolstoy. Not a hundred percent sure. But anyway, Tim, tell us a little bit more about the life of Tim. Well, right now I still have a job at the country factory. Oh, sorry, that came out loud. <laughs> it came out loud. Yeah, but uh, we're still not paying us our full salaries. We still got no fucking money. Seriously? But uh, personal fuck. <laughs> Personal circumstances dictate that I just need to hang on there a little bit longer. They are coming out with retrenchment packages, supposedly. Where they're going to get the money from is the next question. Mm. But uh, if I can get a nice package, it'll set me up nicely. I can have a nice, I can give myself a hydraulic press sorted out, keep myself a lathe. Well, I just go to Trenton's house and take his lathe. I mean, it's not like he knows how to use this thing. <laughs> <laughs> not you. <laughs> Fuck you. You're wearing eye makeup. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so... Okay, so that's happening. Um, and uh, let's go to positive... Positive thoughts for the day. Let's do that. I think that's important. Well, you know, 
positive thought for the day was it was nice and overcast today, so it wasn't hot as balls in the workshop. Yeah, so it's actually very pleasant forging. Yeah, and we re- I really enjoyed the forging. It was. I mean, so did I. Yeah. And you got to use the fly press. Yes. Again. The fly press makes things a lot easier. It does. It's more control. It's not really that fast, but it's it's the control aspect. Just the control. You don't feel too nervous with it. And the thing is, you you in absolute control of where the thing's hitting. Yes. So, miss hits like you would normally do with a hammer are few and far between. Yes. Um, and and it's a handy tool to have to complement normal forging. Um, like those fullering dies I put in to draw out the piece of the mask that yes. you're working on. Yes. That helps a hell of a lot. It does. Massive. And what's nice is with a flat die at the bottom, you forge it one side, or you use the fly press one side, and then you flip it over and do the other side, and then it flattens out those indentations you made with the fullering die. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an awesome tool. It really is, a, as you said, a, an absolute compliment to the, yeah. the bladesmithing environment. God, stop wheeling. Oh, sorry, the bottle. The no. bottle. Unfortunately, it's not a bottle of booze. Yeah, I've got gin in the cupboard. I just don't think we've got mixed for gin. And I did hear a mosquito, so there might be malaria in here. Yeah, so we have. To, we might have to take care of that. Yeah. Gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. Um, yeah, but it's a lovely little addition to the workshop. For sure. Yeah. And I got that from my, my good friend, Mr. Mungus, before he left this wonderful country. He's now sitting high and fly in fucking Abu Dhabi, earning dollars. Not rod. Awesome. That's really cool. Um, he's a really cool oak. He's a great guy. Yeah. I've only met him once. Yeah. But uh, really, really great guy. And uh, <clears throat> he's not a bad knife maker himself. He's a very good knife maker. He's, yeah. he's, he's really, he's got those Puma white hunters that he sort of replicates. Yeah. Very, very cool. Have you seen his collection of... Mm. of White yeah, I sold him a white hunter. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's when mm. he came to your place. Mm. It wasn't mine. It was a friend of mine who said to me, "Do you know anybody in the uh, the collecting community, mm. if, if you will? How do you put that?" Yeah, the collectors. Uh, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I've put it up, and Jacques Mungus got in contact with me about it, and. Uh, yeah, there was a little bit of a dis- dispute about the price uh, because Jacques mentioned a very valid point that it didn't have the original packaging and the original sheath and the original paperwork or whatever mm. else. So, yeah, so we had to compromise a little bit on price, but... Uh, well, yeah. he is in marketing, so... Yeah, sure. I'm surprised he didn't sell you something. He, he, he probably did. I did, just didn't realize it. <laughs> No, Jacques in the business of patio furniture sales. Is that right? That's that's what he likes to call it. Okay. <laughs> but he, he's in the same industry I'm in. Which works, is knife making and and blowing shit things uh, or or defence. 
We'll call it defense industry. Oh, okay. And not defense that goes around your house. Mm. Okay. Probably, probably something that should be kept uh, relatively confidential, I should imagine, because of the nature yeah. of the work. Yeah, it's yeah. You can say you work in the defense industry, but the problem is, you know, you go to someone's house and you have a bra and you meet someone new. Oh, what do you do now? I work for this company, and then they want to tell you, like, tell you what they know about things, which is uh, fuck right. It's like I knew a guy. Um, Oh, yes, he told me about Yeah, he, he worked for a company that made sniper rifles. But when he used to go to Bry's and people ask him, what does he do? He says, no, he works for the post office. Because he's tired of getting into those conversations yeah. about... I get the Springbok op 600, I get a most wet geskiet in the kop, and he went it gewaai. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, look... <laughs> You get you get a lot of guys out there who are genuinely interested in just having a mm-hmm. a conversation based on that. Yeah. But uh, you get the other guys out there who who want to look all big man. Yeah. And uh, and they gotta... come out with these outrageous stories. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, if you weren't there, the guy could tell you that he shot a unicorn. You know. Yeah. So uh, anyway. There's certain people I believe their stories, but other people I'm like, mm, it's yeah. a bit of a dodgy story. It's like fishing stories. You know? Yeah, look, all, I, fish, I, all fishermen are lies except for you and me, and sometimes I'm not too sure about you. <laughs> but I had a one friend of mine, he was so passionate about fishing, he even lied about the size of the fish I caught and said they were bigger than what they were. <laughs> That's a good friend. Yeah. That's a great friend. Who wouldn't want a friend like this? Yeah. Oh, it was a three kilo. No, dude, it was a 16 kilo trout. It was a 16 kilo trout. I don't even know if you get a 16 kilo trout. I don't think so. <laughs> but he taught me a lot about fly fishing. Um, he, fly fishing is very thirsty. Yeah. I've done that once or twice. And it's very, very frustrating in the beginning. But uh, once you start learning a little bit more about it, look, I haven't done a whole run for it, to be honest. Mm. But uh, I've done enough to realize that <clears throat> it could be very addictive for me. Yeah. Well, John, I mean, he used to work for a fly fishing shop uh, in Midrand. And then he used to, he went over at a stage um, to Bazaruto. Because the owner of the shop had a, a, like an outfitter there that used to take guys uh, fly fishing in the sea. For game fish and stuff. Yeah. So he skipped a boat there for one of his holidays. Um, but you you must watch if you watch John Cost, it's like it's poetry in motion, you know. You know, when I don't know if you've ever watched the money the money. What? The money. Have you ever watched the movie Um A River Run Through It? No. With River Phoenix and Brad Pitt. No. Um, but they go on this the stream. It's a lot about uh, fly fishing, but anyway. Uh, Brad Pitt acts in a movie with his tra- fly fishing? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But uh, it, if you, you watch, it's like the classic, the sun setting. The, you can see the, the water is where it's not flowing fast. It's like, you know, gl- like a glass pond. Okay. And then you see the water flowing. And it's just that whole motion, you know, yes. like the Bell's whiskey advert or something like that. Okay. Now, when my friend John, when he casts, it, it's like that. It's 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 art. Yes. And it's sport, but I mean, he just makes it look effortless, and he'll cast out a whole fly line without even thinking. 
Yeah, look, I haven't met a lot of fly. Well, I've met a lot of them, but I haven't been with them while fly, mm. fly fishing. <coughs> but my good friend uh, Pierre, mm. he he's a very very knowledgeable man about fishing and so on, as are you. Mm. Um, but he he showed me how to fly fish. Okay. And he spends a lot of time teaching me some things about fly fishing, which I very much appreciate. Because it's a it's a it's an awesome thing to be able to do, mm. and it's a it's a lovely uh, sort of sports and and therapeutic mm. sports in the in the in the same right. But um, yeah, it's it's something I definitely want to do more of in the future. Mm. For sure. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to go again sometime to the Vol River. Yeah, dude. I, the last time I went to the Vol River was wasn't great fishing, yeah. but um, go chasing yellowfish <clears throat> and carp. Mm. We should do a fishing trip, bro. Yeah, I'll do that. I'm sure you would too. Yeah. Because well, you, know, you used to do uh, competition fishing, didn't you? Yeah, I did competitive golf fishing. But that was... It's hard work, eh? Apparently there's big money in the big competitions. So if you, but the competitions I was fishing in was like uh, provincial and national. Okay. So it wasn't money competitions. It was um, like for colors. Okay. So I fished for... Kauteng North. And if you catch a rainbow, a rainbow trout, do you automatically get all your colors? No. Don't. <laughs> but um, I've fished a couple of nationals. I've been to, I went to one, yes, I got invited to one SA trials. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, the thing that put me off about it in the end was all the fucking politics. Well, that's always the thing. Yeah. Uh, even even in like clubs and stuff like that, yeah, whatever always, club it is, you've yeah. always got some sort of shit to deal yeah. with within the, the community. It's completely unnecessary. It is. You've always got some guy in there that causes problems. Yeah. Um, you know, look, there, there's a lot to be said about... Uh, community of these uh, uh, like clubs or mm -hmm. <clears throat> groups of people that get together and do things there's a lot of community around that which mm. is why people get attracted to it and that's great like if it's a good club stick to it mm. but uh, if it's costing you more in your time and your patience and all of those things Eventually, you just find you don't have the energy for it anymore. I mean, when I stopped, um, me and the guy that I fished with, we basically won the Houting North Trials overall. We came second in the first one, and the second one, second trials we won, but we won by like such a huge margin. Um, and then they didn't want to put me and him in the A-side, because they said I couldn't cast far enough or whatever. What? Yeah, politics, and that's and you know me and me and Byron worked our fucking asses off, you know, you know preparation, uh, practicing all that sort of stuff, casting, you know that 
and, and Barron got his Pratia colors in for junior fishing. So he knew a shitload more about fishing than I did. Um, but we worked very well as a team together. And mm. that's that's the important thing. Yeah. Because the, the type of fishing we're doing, you fish on, on a peg, as they call it. But you you're the two of you have to work together. Because you've got to put feed you've got to build your feeding spot. Um you've got to work out your game plan, do the feature finding with a market float to see the depth of the water, decide where you're gonna fish, how you're gonna fish, what your approach is gonna be. And you must remember it's a seventy two hour competition. Seventy two hours. Yeah, straight, ne? Jeez. So when you have to sleep, obviously. Yeah. So, but you you can't both sleep at the same time no. because you know time. Somebody's got to tend the lines. Yeah, you you can't take the lines out of the water. No. I mean, then you're just wasting time. Yeah. So what we do is we'd sleep in shifts. So we'd get us. Which is that sleep in shit. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, we would. Uh, we normally had our food delivered to us. Okay. At, at nationals, and then uh, I would normally sleep first. Like so, from six until say eleven at night. Um, so you get about five hours sleep, and then I would wake up, and we'd both be awake for about an hour. And Barnd would tell me what he's doing, what dips are working, what depth, how the how long are the stuff lying for, and things like that. And then he would go and sleep for five hours, and then we get up in the morning, uh, have some chow delivered again, and then we'd because you can only feed from. I think it is from seven until five or something like that. Oh, so there's only there's there's specified time. Yeah, frame during the sure. daytime you can you can only feed during the daytime, like wow. put extra feed in the water. Okay. Um, so then we is there a cutoff time? Yeah, it's, I think you you can feed until five o'clock or six o'clock. Okay. Um, but you got to get you got to keep. Your your feed spot with enough food that when the carp are there they stay there. Yes. Um, and you're competing with guys around you are also putting a feed spot in. Mm. Um, and it's about creating an accurate feed spot because if you want to try and get a mass in a very tight area, and then you fish on the edges of that area. Yeah. So that the fish coming into the feed mm. will pick up your bait or whatever. Yeah. And you catch the fish going out. And if you're too far off your spot, that that line will lie there for an hour sometimes and not even get a bite. And then that means you only got three because we fish with, you have four rods in the water at the time. Um, so if one of your rods is not biting, it means you've got 25% less catching capacity, effectively. Shit. So yeah, it, it, it's crazy. It's, a, it's quite a technical. Um, form of carp fishing. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, a specimen carp fishing. So you're targeting big carp. So the carp have to be over a certain mass to count. So they've got to be over 1.5 kilos. Okay. So it doesn't help you catch a whole lot of um, small fish. You, you want to catch the larger fish and as many larger fish as you can. Yeah, so what's the largest carp that you said you caught? Uh, non-competitive. Yeah. So we went to a, a, a farm dam out near Brunko Sprite. 
and I caught my biggest one there was a, a 12 and a half kilo carp. Wow. But the Nationals is, is normally fished at um, uh, Blumhoff there. Okay. So the carp there aren't as big, <clears throat> but you know, I think the biggest bag I had in a National, well, it was actually in a Trials, or the biggest weight over the, and there was over 60 hours, was 600 and something kilos. Shit. Now, they did, at one stage, set the world record at in the World Championships at Blumhoff, where South Africa won um, all four zones, of uh, all three zones, because you, you, you have three peg peg teams or three three teams of two in your team and there's three zones a b and a c zone and you draw the peg that you're going to sit on for the 72 hours and then like all the people in the a zone compete for first place in the a zone yes and everybody in the b zone and then they tally up the points at the end depending so if your peg wins one zone but does really bad in the other two zones doesn't mean your team wins overall Okay. But with that World Championship, South Africa, they beat England was second, I think. They beat them with uh, 1,500 kilos. Jeepers, that's, that's a big kick in the nuts, eh? And the, the, their peg that caught the most was uh, they caught, I think, three kilograms short of 1,500 kilos. In 72 hours. But they fished here in South Africa, so yeah. I think that's a, that's maybe... But Blumhoff is the other kind of dam. When the fish yeah. start biting, you cannot keep a line in the water. Okay. And it's it's intense. And and where you're fishing, it's like sea sand almost. So you're walking in the sea sand the whole time. So it's that's very true. draining. Okay. Physically. Yeah. And the amount, the quantity of feed you have to put in. Because at that stage, there was no feed limits. And I mean, the guys... No feed limits. No feed limits. The guys would go, there's like a ton, a ton and a half of feed and put it in the water. And the thing is, you have to cast it in or you make feeder balls that you throw in with a pipe or shoot in with a catty. Mm. Yes, yes, I've seen that. Yeah, so that is, you know, to, it's all, all fair and well taking a ton and a half of flipping food, but you still have to get it in the water to where you want it. Yes, sure. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think there must be an incredibly interesting, but at the same time, difficult thing to get involved with, like mm. uh, competition fishing. Yeah. I don't know if I'd do that because the thing is, for me, is it's it's a relaxing process for me. Mm. I don't, I, I love catching. Don't get me wrong, mm. but I don't really care if I don't catch any. Yeah. Because it's more about the act of fishing rather than oh, I caught a fish or yeah. I didn't catch a fish. Like, of course, I want to catch a fish. Don't get me wrong. But if I do, great. If and I if don't, you, and well, if you, I enjoy fishing. If you're tired after, you know, 12 hours and you want to pack up, you can do it. Mm. You can. It makes me think of my friend John. <laughs> yeah. my, my good friend who lies about my size, the size of my fish. Okay. <laughs> He's one of those guys. Who, oh, just just one more cast. Just one more just cast. One more cast. Yeah. <laughs> just one more cast. There's how many times because we, we were still at, at we studied together at university, and um, we were in the fishing club. So when we we used to go like fishing in the Western Cape and farm dams for bass and stuff, and it's like. 
you know, the sun's already like virtually set. We still got to drive back to Cape Town and Johns. Just, just one more, just one more, just one more. And we'd caught fuck all the whole day, but no, just one more cost. <laughs> <laughs> no bites, nothing. No, sometimes we, we caught lots of fish, but we bass fishing we used to catch in release. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, he's just, just one, just one, just one. Is there a specific way you would prefer to uh, prepare something like bass? Yes. Okay. So bass is best done in tin foil. Yeah. So you cook the whole. You obviously clean it and scale it. Yeah. And then you cook. You you cut the fish. You harvest like a butterfly, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you put in. Um, garlic and onions and salt and pepper and then you clo- with butter and lemon mm. you close it wrap it into the foil and then you cook it on a low heat on the fire okay man that is just divine because bass unlike carp you are what you eat carp eats shit all day so that's what you taste what it tastes like is it really that bad no it's 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 a very coarse meat carp and it's got a lot of bones in it fine okay. bones so you spend half, most of the time, instead of enjoying the fish, trying to find the fucking bones. Uh, that's, I don't like doing that. Where's that's why I don't know, like, like I love curry, but I always find fucking compost in my curry. <laughs> like, especially when it's those traditional Indian mm. curries. And I know why they do it. They do it for the flavor, and they yeah. do it to achieve the flavor. Yeah. But there's like fucking bark and cloves and fucking bay leaves. Oh, and when you bite into one like of those you, cloves. Yeah, oh, and it's terrible. Dude, it smells, it tastes like mosquito repellent. That's why I don't like chicken mayonnaise, mayonnaise sandwiches. What? How can you not like chicken mayo sandwiches? Look, I like chicken mayonnaise sandwiches, but I'm the fucker who always gets that little piece of bone that they missed. Oh, okay. So you end up, you don't end up enjoying the meal because you yeah, you try worry. to pick up bones. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, but that wouldn't stop me from eating chicken mayo sandwiches. I, I love that shit. But, uh, but good chicken mayo sandwiches. You get some back, really shit ones out. There. Back onto bass. Yes, my on dad um, had one of these portable smokers. So it's like a, you know, a brybuck, a steel. Uh, dish yeah, with a lid on it and you've it's got a tray in it that you put the fish on and then you put your wood chips at the bottom and you just put it on top of the bra on top of the fire uh-huh. and then it's it's like a hot smoking the, the meat and then you take that bass out there and it just it flakes oh lovely that sounds incredible absolutely incredible I'm busy I'm busy stoning you yeah <laughs> you're busy stoning <laughs> I wish I could get stoned right now. Yeah. We should have spoken to Jeffrey today. We should have spoken to Jeffrey. Jeffrey! Where are you, Jeffrey? But, um, yeah, I'm almost done on 320. Yeah, I, will be, I wouldn't be too much longer on this. It's just there's a couple of spots where I've got a few deep scratches. Mm-hmm. And rather than spending two hours with a... Yeah, you'd rather use the stone. Yeah. Yeah. The stone stone works quite nice because it's about a a 220 grit. Yeah. Um, And it's harder. It it cuts a little bit easier than the the water paper. It's actually a neat trick. I hadn't thought about 
using that in in conjunction with uh, hand sanding. To be honest, well, I got that trick. Well, I Niels and uh, um, Master Bladesmith Kevin Harvey were talking about plunge lines and how they do them, and and Kevin Harvey uses he buys the the polishing stones. You know, yeah. the small ones that like tool and die makers make, those little square ones, the triangular ones, the okay. round ones. And he uses those to get all the fine detail. And because you, you can get them in different grits up to like 600 or even 1,000 grits sometimes really? if you can find them. And Where do you get these stones? From like speciality tool shops. Okay. So I don't, uh, no, not even, I don't even think Ardendorf would have them, but like no. a, a tool and allied or something like that. That sell um, mostly like tool and die maker tools. Okay. Um, they would uh, they would have them. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can get what's nice about them is is they although they're hard they they actually form to the the surface you. Uh, so like if you if you're doing a plunge line, yes, it actually wears into that shape eventually. Yes, which is great. Yeah, that's very very helpful. Because you know, with the sanding stick, then you've got to go and 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 grind it like round it, and then you've mm. got to try and and you haven't got a lot of surface area to cut. Mm. You know, you haven't got a long stroke. Yeah, you've got a very short stroke yeah. on on the inside radius of the plunge line. Yeah, and so it takes for freaking ever. Yeah, I'm just gonna pause quickly. Yeah. Oh, to be back. I just have to let our guests in. Our special guests for this evening is um, Sally. She's a female from Bernard Cross. And then Ulok, who's a Uriach's and Onerfoot male from Bernard. They love your dogs. They are. I like and them. They're my therapy animals, I call them. Because there's just something about, you know, if, you, if you're not having a great day, you just go and cuddle with the dog or the cat or something, and it just it makes things everything better. Hey, Sally Whaley. Animals are amazing at making you feel better. Yeah, they really are. They're incredible. I love my cats, and my 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 one cat specifically. Uh, I've I've three cats. They two. So I originally had Ella, which is the first cat that I took on. Uh, she was a kitten at the time, and uh, my friend couldn't keep her because she was moving into a place that didn't allow pets. And uh, so I took her on, and then she had some kittens, and um, we ended up keeping two of the kittens, uh, uh, Francis and Ash. Francis, what a name for a cat. Francis. So legend. That's, it's from the movie called Leg Legend. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, the the Cray twins in the movie Legend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ridge Cray. He his girlfriend's name is Francis. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm so, a homosexual. Francis, I'm a homosexual. Well, I'm a giver, not a taker. There's a difference, you know. <laughs> I'm homosexual, Francis. Well, I'm a giver, not a receiver. Oh, there's a difference. Um, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. He, he played uh, 
Tom Hardy acted as both of the Cray brothers. Yeah, that 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 takes some doing because to get into the head of a, uh, a schizophrenic psychopath or whatever, <laughs> a paranoid schizophrenic walks into a bar. Yeah, can your mother stitch stitch this? <laughs> Oh Jesus! That's that's called a Glaswegian kiss. A Glaswegian kiss. Oh, you walk up to someone who's pissing you, and you say, "Can your mother stitch?" And he says, "Yeah." He says, "Well, stitch this," and you hit him with the head. I saw that he was faster and and stronger than me, so I thought I must use my head. So did you? I think him. No, I hit him with it. Oh my word! <laughs> oh, so I'm after a clean. Uh, a clean 320 grit. So I'm uh, halfway done down the blade with the 320. I wish you guys could see someone. He's working like a motherfucker. Oh, shit's got to get done. Shit's got to get done. Nobody's going to do the shit for you. Yeah, we've got the Niels app, so he's saying, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? On, every, on almost every... Sh- Post that I've done, Niels's comments are dumbass. I think he thinks I'm a dumbass. He's well, just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I like posted this thing. I'm like, careful, guys. Apparently, hot glue is hot. <laughs> He's like, dumbass. <laughs> and then today, on, on, the, on the post on Facebook, he's like, dumbass. <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. I love that guy. Yeah. How can you hate Niels? You can't. Yeah. You can't. Nobody can. I'm sure there's guys out there who do, but they're just mm. be hating. Yeah. Haters be hating. Haters be hating. Yes, you ever grind with ground like a dick? You have some deep scratches in you. Yo, <laughs> dude, I wanted to tell you, but you just wouldn't listen, bro. You just wouldn't listen. Uh, Fuck you. <laughs> bit of elbow grease. Oh, dude, my fingers are so trapped. Yeah, well, my fingers feeling fine because it's got no fucking feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's my, it's the joints in my finger, in my index finger specifically. That's the one you didn't you fuck up that finger? I did. What did you do? I uh, I got in a fight. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah. But did you go there for a gunfight? <laughs> yeah, he shot me in the finger. What a puss. <laughs> Who shoots somebody in the finger? No. Uh, no, this, this guy and I had an argument. And, yeah. and I hurt my index finger during the process of this... Altercation. This altercation. Yeah, that was... A bit of handbag was, stuff. How's your mother? Dark thing. Mm. <laughs> How's your mom, bro? Would you say my mom, bro? Would you say my mom, bro? That's really sensitive guys out there. You know, my th- that guy I talk about, uh, Aubrey, who works for Ferrari. Mm. Now, he also went to, the, in, he was, he grew up in Utenhag, and I grew up in P. Utenhager. See, in the Eastern Cape, it's right next to P. That's where Volkswagen factory is. Okay. He grew up there, and he went to the technical high school in um, Daniel Pina in Utenhag. Now, both the technical high school in Utenhag and the one in PE was a dual medium. So, it was English and Afrikaans. Okay. And Aubrey was a stone skateboarder kid. Didn't play sport. He used to play hockey because you had to play a sport. Mm. Um, But all the Afrikaans guys used to try and 
look for a fight with him because he's a he's a Roenick. Yeah. And he was on his way to the shop once. And he was just not having a great day. He was going to buy bread. He had his skateboard with him. And these Afrikaans guys from the school won. Breaker, big guy came up and says, uh, What did you find my mom? What did you say about my mother? Mm. Aubrey just wasn't having a fantastic day. So he said, I said, Yo, Massa, Pia. And when he said that, he hit him on the side of the head with a skateboard. Yes. <laughs> Fucking flat note. Right. This guy's buddy scattered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fluff. But then they didn't ask him what he what he said about their mother again. <laughs> but did he say something about? No, he didn't. The guy was just looking for a fight. You know, yes, you get you get it in all flipping schools. There's, there's always the the you know the the knuckle dragger yeah. who's, who's always looking to get a fight. You know, mm. show his how big his cock is or whatever. I don't get guys like that. It's like, why do you? I don't like fighting. Yeah, fighting is shit. I don't dig it. Oh, I, I I'm hate a peaceful Zen fucker. I hate. I don't like. Fighting. I hate conflict. I'll avoid mm-hmm. conflict. I mean, if if you push to it, mm. you can do it. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't do it. But I choose not there's to. There's better options. Yeah. yeah. There's better options out there. There's I mean, better ways to deal with things. We're all adults here. Mm. We don't have to act like kids. I've really only been in one sort of fight. And another time I gave one of the guys, because I was in the cadet band, and there's this one lighty, younger than me, but he was just, he was one of those irritating little fox. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't having a great day, and he just gotta, 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 gotta. Mm. And I, just after the teacher walked into the, the room where we used to do the band practice, so my timing was good because you didn't see the thing otherwise it would have been in shit <laughs> but I put him up against the wall and I gave him a short right hook before I even knew what was happening yes. and uh, his eyes were wide open and he thought okay I'm not going to look for cock with him anymore yeah um, and then the other time was, was one time on band camp <laughs> <laughs> we were on a camp at uh, the army base EP command and there was one guy, he's in the same standard as me, um, Gustav. Gustav? Gustav, Afrikaner. Mm. And he was just, man, he was being an irritating fuck. <laughs> and that wasn't Gustav, sorry. Gustav got blips in that same band camp, but there's another young lighty, arrogant little fuck. And we didn't have an agreement. And I, because he was younger than me, I already had rank in the cadets. Yeah. Um, and he just, we ended up, it, was, it wasn't it was a striking match, but we ended up in a grappling thing. He was on top, but I had my palm underneath his nose, ready to break his nose. And then we got broken up. But those, those are my two incidents of conflict. Mm. But I, I avoid conflict. I don't, you know, there's no, I don't see the point in bashing someone's fucking head in. What does it prove? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously there is justification in there certain is, aspects. There is justification for certain aspects, but yeah. um, like if somebody grabs some oak grabs a chick's ass, you get yeah. a fucking fight. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd fight. I just well, there's a. Lo- what I'm saying is a lot of guys will. Yeah, a lot of but like, 
it's like uh, Andy Stump says, and he's a retired Navy SEAL as well, but uh, uh, there's rules to gunfights. So the number one rule of a gunfight is don't get into a gunfight. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, uh, you know, try, if, if you can, it's, I mean, I, I really give, I don't give two fucks what other people think of me, whether they think I'm a, a softie for walking away or whatever, but I just, I don't see the point in, in violence unless, it, you know, sometimes it is justified, rightly so, but it's just, if I can avoid it, I'd rather avoid it, but yeah. I'm, I, I was always brought up, I mean, I never, I've never ever seen my parents argue, never. That must be a privilege. Yeah, but it, it has a negative effect as well. No. Because sure. I don't know how to deal with conflict. So, like, if me and Chantal will have an argument, mm. we won't have a screaming match. We'll have, I just shut up. I shut down. Mm. Because I, I don't like the conflict. I don't know how to, how to deal with it. And in some ways, it's also a blessing. Because, you know, you, you can both calm down then. Yes. Never tell a woman to calm down, by the way. It does not work. Not a great idea. Yeah. Uh, I must calm down. I must calm down. (laughs) Yeah, because they've got these memories like a fucking elephant. Mm. And they're just waiting, you know? Yeah. They're just waiting to bring up the shit you've done before. Like you can't even remember. (laughs) Well, I think there's definitely women like that out there. But there's, there's also, in the same breath, Many men who are very bitchy. Oh yeah, definitely. So you know, it's uh, it's a two way street. It's not you don't want to generalize because yeah. it's like not all women are like that. No, not uh, all of them are. But I tell you one thing: mm. um, women don't forget easily. So you need to you need to be you need to be honest. You need to be. You know, stand up, gentlemen. You know, mm. don't treat women like shit, because they'll remember that. Um, but it's it's part of being a decent human in any way. It is, it is, and some people are more conscious of being a good person than other people. Yeah, um, and I mean, I was brought up with, if you haven't got anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah, sure. So it, it's like, why do you need to throw your two cents in? It, it doesn't help the situation mm. anyway. Sometimes your two cents uh, winds up costing you more. Yeah, costing you. No, not necessarily, because you can put your two cents in, and then the following morning you maybe get ten bucks from the tooth fairy because the guy knocked your teeth out. <laughs> uh, uh, nice one, nice one. Yeah, uh, I wasn't following that one for a while. <laughs> and you're not even high. I'm not even high. It's so sad. So sad, but um, yeah, I'm running dry tonight, unfortunately. No alcohol, Spooger. no psilocybin. We tr- we bought mushrooms at the at the big and pay, but apparently they don't work. Uh, they're not psilocybin. <laughs> they're not magic mushrooms. They're just normal. They're not denim. shrooms. They they just dandy mushrooms. Did you hear about that shroom fest? The the one guy, there's some some guy in America. There's this shroom fest, oh. but it's like several days. Okay. Is that not, is it not called burning something? 
There's Burning Man. I'm not sure what that's about. I've heard about it. Burning Man is the one Duncan Trussell goes to. Yes. Duncan Trussell's gone to a few Burning Man, but I'm not sure what it's about. Yeah. I don't um, think it's the same thing, because I think that's more Buddhist Zen type thing. As I say, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what Burning Man is. It sounds like some sort of a festival where mm. a whole bunch of people get together and have a great time, mm. which sounds incredible. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, Tomorrowland is also something very interesting. Okay. You know about Tomorrowland? No, what is that? I've heard. Yo. Yo. Cough that other lung out. Quickly. I'm not, I've heard about it, but mm. I don't, I don't know anything about it. If... So, so, once again, I don't know everything there is to know about it, but... It's a music festival, basically. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And they have... But is it like a 70s psychedelic one? I'm sure there's shitloads of drugs going on there. I'm Mm. I'm very sure of it. Like, opikoku. Okay, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying it's the same thing. Please, Mm. guys, don't say I'm I'm not in any way saying... But it's something that we can relate to here in South Africa. Opikoku is... uh, once again, don't know much about it, never been there. But apparently, there are lots of people who go through there, have a great time, and do a whole bunch of mind-altering stuff, which sounds incredible. Well, But that, you want to be responsible about it as well. Yeah, that friend of mine, Aubrey, he actually played with his band yeah. at Wapikopi. Really? With Springbok New Girl, Just Ginger. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But Aubrey's, Aubrey's, he's just a stoner. He doesn't do anything else. He might have a dope every now and then, but he's mainly a stoner. He, he's a, he's just, he's a weed connoisseur. He has a healthy respect for it. There's, there's a, there's a guy who's turned that into his living. I, I'm sure there's a couple of guys mm. who've turned that into their living. Where he goes around, he's literally, literally a weed connoisseur. That's that's what he does. Like a restaurateur. He he goes into these these places that uh, that supply weed, mm. and uh, and he and he goes and he smokes the weed, and he writes an article mm. about the taste, the the effects of the weed, mm. how it made him feel, how it affected him. Now, obviously, weed is also dependent on how you re- how you react to it. Yeah. Some people react very negatively towards it. Some people it doesn't do anything but make them tired. Um, I have a friend, Matt. You know Matt. Stoner Matt. Stoner Matt, and um, he's a great guy. But uh, he just gets very tired. Yeah, but he gets so chilled and mellow. Oh, he's always chilled and mellow. But bro. but it's when like, he's, but it's even more so for sure when he's. But also, he, he may be like. Zoned out, his eyes mm. may be closed, but he's he's listening to everything's going mm. on. He's just mm. like enjoying the experience. He is, yeah, yeah. And you know, this the guys. I don't mean to always be talking about weed, but it's it's a very big part of my life. Mm. And um, here's the thing: when you 
when you're high and you're doing things, look, it depends on how high you are. I microdose throughout the mm. course of the day. But uh, if you get seriously stoned, you're getting fuck all done. Yeah. Okay? So Except why, eating maybe and drinking yeah. lots of fluid because you've got the drippies. Yeah, you've got the drippies for sure. We used to get that all the time out in Western Cape. I, I, I think was, it's the Western Cape brand. <laughs> So, I remember sticky and gorilla glue. Oh man, I, I still want to try Skywalker because of the name. Skywalker sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. If anybody knows where to get some Skywalker, you can send it through to us at home, yeah. Open Heart Cost. Yeah, we'll we'll investigate and we'll give our honest we will, feedback. Probably. We will. We're looking for a weed uh, sponsor. Yeah, Mike Tyson, if yeah. you're listening, yes. send us some weed from your, your <laughs> ranch in California. <laughs> I would love to have that. Mm. I would love to. Have According that. to Joe Rogan, it's some powerful shit. <laughs> I believe him. I believe him. It's. Mm. I think. I haven't really smoked like high end shit. To mm. be honest with you, I smoked some. Um, oh, there was one I did. It was called uh, Wedding Cake. Mm. Sounds it was, interesting. It was a very nice high. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, it's from my my friend Dane in the Western Cape. Mm. He does uh, IGTA shooting and all that sort of thing. And and my friend uh, Travis Steele also does uh, training and helps people with their their competencies and and things. Firearm like that. trainings and yeah, it's an important thing to do, eh? It is. Because there's no good you have a gun and you don't know what the fuck to do with it. Sure, sure. And they they carry courses there all the time. They they Mm. do courses there. That's what they do. They they teach people how to use firearms Mm. uh, tactically. Yeah, and safely. And safely. Yeah, yeah, more importantly, yeah. Um, But yeah, so anyway, he he brought through, he came to visit me and uh, he brought through some... uh, what was it called? Nine pound hammer. Ooh. Oh. So anyway, so we started with the wedding cake, and we had supper, and we chatted, and uh, he says, "Bro, so I brought something else." So I'm like, "Oh." So he says to me, "This stuff's called nine pound hammer." I'm like, "Oh wow, that sounds so good." He's like, "Bro, this stuff is very hectic." So I said, come, let's let's do it. Let's have this experience. But we smoke this thing. We're sitting outside. And we pass out on the two recliners. <laughs> we just passed out. It, was, it just put you to bed. It was the most cuddly, warming feeling. And then you just lay back and you're just like, ah. And What's you sleep that? and you relax. And it's... Lots of people have got such a bad attitude regarding weed, mm. and that's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to judge people for judging weed. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you've got to understand that it works for some people, mm. and uh, and works very well for me personally. I find that it chills me out. You know, I I, I deal with uh, epilepsy, and it does seem to have. Uh, a, a calming effect on me yeah. when it comes to epilepsy. So it's yes, I could take CBD oils and 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 things like that, but I like getting high, and it also helps me from a more, uh, if you want to put it, medicinal point of view. But also, you said you, you 
do a lot of your deep thinking when you're high. I do. I do. This is this is the other thing. It's like, okay, yes, I microdose during the day. But in the evenings, like not all evenings, some evenings, I'll have like a like a, a good size joint. Not a joint, it's a blunt, but blunt. It's, a, it's, it's a much stronger blunt. Because mm. um, I like tobacco. It, it just cuts it a little bit. Mm. And uh, you take that stuff and it's very... It's a very good experience because it it just lightens up problems and how to fix problems mm. and and especially if you use it in a meditative sense. Yeah. There's a lot to be gained and a lot to be learned from that experience. You know what I I would really like to try and do? Yeah. And that is um I need to work on my meditating skills, but I'd like to do that. Kundalini. No, no, no. Oh. Med- meditation. Okay. The art of thinking of nothing. But I'd like to do that on edibles. Dude, how? How? You, your, you. your mind's going to be going crazy, I'm sure, isn't it? No. Look, I've never done it. I, I've, oh, I'm, you mean edibles, not, not shrooms. No, I mean... Sorry. I yeah. mean... Uh, uh, on edibles, yeah, edible like brownies, edible weed, yeah, yeah, because that, I enjoy that high more than smoking it. Smoking it doesn't seem it's it yeah. doesn't seem to have the same effect as it did when I was a student. I mean, when I was a student, man, it used to put me on a block, you know. You, well, I, I, I mean, I, when I, we went camping, I smoked a bit of weed, and it didn't seem to have the same effect as when I was a student. Um, it wasn't the same. It, w- it was nice and relaxing and stuff. Yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't like a you know stupefying experience like when I was a student. Um, but the edibles, on the other hand, was that was that was nice. I, I really I really enjoyed it. That if I could close my eyes, I could see the beat. That yeah, it's it's amazing what happens in your brain when you close mm. your eyes and you're on edibles. Mm. But the thing is, it's you've got to... It de- depends on the on the state of mind you are in. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a, in, a good, in a good place and you're doing it, then I think you have a good trip. It's the same as what they say about the people who do psychedelics. Yes. Is that... Um, the environment you are in. Yes, it dictates has, it whether has, you might have a bad trip or a good trip. Yeah. And and also, as you said, that's very much dependent on your state of mind at that mm. period of time. So there's there's a lot of research going on in, on the use of psychedelics for, for therapeutic reasons. Yeah. Dealing with PTSD, depression, addiction, those types of things. Yes. And, and it's, it's, it's had, clearly helping. It's been having way better results than conventional medicine. Yes. Because um, there's a scale they use for depression. I can't remember the name of it. I should know it because, I mean, I, I suffer from depression. Mm. But medication, I think it's a, a 19-point thing or whatever, or 15, I don't know. I'll, I'll get Jamie to look it up just now. <laughs> but um, medication only raises your thing by one point 
which is really not that much. Meditation. No, medication. Oh, medication. Yeah, the, the antidepressants you give. I thought you said meditation. I was like, that's bullshit. Yeah. No, meditation has a far better effect than the medicine, in my opinion. Uh, if you do uh, mindfulness, mindful meditation. Yeah. Um, now, now this is something, sorry, to cut you off, Tim, I just no. want to mention something about a point that you just spoke about now. Um, when you say mindfulness, uh, it's a it's a it's a thing that a lot of people say, like, lackadaisically. They just they just say it. Yeah, but if but what do you what, when you think about being mindful? And I know this is probably like everybody's going to be like, "Yeah, do it, Trent." Like, but no, what do you what do you think of when you think of mindfulness? We did a when I was in hospital one time. We did a thing on mindfulness. Okay. So, mindfulness is about being completely in the present, in the moment. Sure. Okay. Okay. So we were given, we, we were told to keep our eyes closed, and we were given put they put something in our hand. Okay. And then we had to feel it and feel its texture and how it was reacting to our hand. And then we had to put it in our mouth. What? But it, it was a piece of chocolate. Okay. Yeah. So you know how Jack eats his, his sandwiches with his little yes. block of cheese? Yes. That's be eating mindfully. Wow. So you're completely appreciating all the senses in that moment in, in time. that moment in time. That's so, why people, some people really hate getting interrupted when they're eating. Yeah. Because it gets them out of that, that state. Yeah. And I mean, I, I can see, I, I've never seen Jack eat, but I, I can see him doing it because it's, it's, it, it suits him. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he really overthinks things or, or thinks things through a lot. He thinks things through. That, yeah. That's the right way of putting it. Um, you know, I don't always want to be talking about Jack because Jack even said to me, you got to blow, blow smoke up somebody else's ass for a change. But what I really appreciate about Jack is that he'll say to me, like when, when I come through there in the mornings, he'll say to me, like, we'll catch up quickly and whatnot. And he'll be like, right. So this, this is what I did, uh, yesterday or the day before whatever it was and he's like and this is the job we've got to do today and i'm like okay fuck i'm not sure how you're going to do that but i'm very much excited to figure it out yeah and um and then he'll think about it and he'll think about it and he'll sit and it looks like he's not doing anything he'll sit and he'll think about it and he'll and he'll be on his phone a little bit and then he'll be like right this is what you're going to do and then he goes and he does it, and it's like, oh wow, this is incredible! Like the other day, mm-hmm. listen to this shit. So, you know that Spanish kitchen sort of his? Yeah, that's a beautiful piece. Yeah. Oh, so stunning, so stunning. But here's the thing. So he wanted to cut the slots where he put the the silver in. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he wanted to cut the slots a little bit deeper. Yeah. But mm. he's like, you know, I can't get in there with the lathe and so on. Uh, he originally cut them on the lathe, but he wanted them 
deeper mm. and for some reason oh it's because the the spanish notch okay, was, yeah. was out like it was stretching over where Ready. he could work yeah you know what i'm and saying and it's a rotating machine <clears throat> yeah so he had to use so he said to me what we're gonna have to do is use an angle grinder I was like, you're out of your fucking mind, dude. You're out of fuck. Like, how are you going to use an angle grinder? And he's like, no, I'll show you. I'm like, mm, this is going to be dodgy. Anyway, so he, he goes and he gets these two pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he cuts them to the exact same size and everything. And then he drills a hole. Mm-hmm. And then he drills another hole. Mm-hmm. And then he puts them in the vise. Mm-hmm. And then he checks how this thing works and he chamfers the inside of the radius and mm. then he slots the the tang mm. of the, the the kitchen salt yeah. in there. And then he's like, okay, cool. And he checks it out and he's like, mm, needs a bit of support in the opposite direction. So it's mm. holding here, yeah. but it needs to be pushed in this way. Yeah. So it's very difficult to, uh, you guys are probably not understanding what I'm saying, but yeah. I think Tim, Tim gets what I'm saying. Yeah. Then he took the, um, then he set all of that up and he took the, uh, the angle grinder, put a very thin cutting disc on it, uh, the fat cutting disc. Yeah. Um, and then he had the, uh, the cordless drill mm-hmm. on the, um, tank on the, right at the back. Okay. And he said, right, just turn it very slowly, very mm-hmm. slowly and just keep Keep it turning. And it just, it was like almost replicating what a lathe does in yeah. a sense. But he just came there with the angle grinder, supported himself, and made sure he was dead fucking stable. Yeah. And he cut those things perfect. Yeah. So the whole point of it is he's in his mindful state, he's, he's, thinking, how can I do, look, obviously you also need to know the know how. Mm to do these things i'm not just saying be mindful and you can accomplish all these things like you have to have the skills Mm. but at the same time he's applying something else into the skill sets that he's got Mm. he's applying mindfulness Mm. Um, because it doesn't help you just jump into something you don't know how you're going to solve yeah and trying to and then think later oh if only i'd done it like this yeah i wouldn't have fucked it up yeah and i mean that's a, such a just fucking knife it's an incredible knife and he was telling me the story about why it's called a spanish kitchen salt okay why is it called a spanish kitchen salt well, so, it's a sword but <laughs> okay so so i i can't remember the dates or anything I, i'm sorry jack that i haven't done any more research he did tell me all facts but apparently there was this king in spain mm-hmm. and he was disliked by most of his people or something to that effect and he was he was scared that people were going to um, rebel basically so he forbid any of the the blacksmiths or bladesmiths or whatever you would call mm. them uh he forbid them from making any form of weaponry okay but you can't stop people from cooking yeah so these bladesmiths or, or blacksmiths in those days i should imagine they did everything 
the blacksmiths made everything mm. in those days regarding tools and weapons. Um, they would make these very, very, very large kitchen knives, and they got progressively bigger and bigger and bigger over time. And that's why it's called the Spanish kitchen sword. Because it was because it was intended to be used as a weapon. But to divert but, it, but to divert to, it they, to to to, to it, justify to to get over the law. Yes. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a bypass. Like you, yeah. you you're bypassing the law. It's like some of the gun laws in the States they're like so ridiculous. Some of them. But then you just you know, a suppressor or silencer, but it's actually a suppressor, is illegal in the States unless you have a, spe- a special tax thing for it. Wow. But now if it is, I think if it's built sort of into the gun so it's not detachable, then it's not considered a, si- a suppressor or something like that. So there's these loopholes in the laws that they use to get around the laws. So that Spanish kitchen sword, they yeah. were using a loophole. No, it's a kitchen knife. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> exactly. It's a big ass. It's like those fucking knives the Japanese guys used to, to cut tuna. Those swords. That's crazy, dude. That's crazy. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting story. Because I, I, I said to him, why is it called the Spanish kitchen sword? And he told me the story and I was like, are you being for real? And he's like, yeah, that's the fact. It's a real story. It happened. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, when people know the history behind mm. why things are a certain way, mm. it's very intriguing to me. Because right, it, it, it shows a dedication to their interests. You've got a nice keen... 320. 320, yeah. Nice. Nice. Although I'm not happy with this plunge line here. If you're not happy, we must fix. Tell me what you think of that plunge line. I mean, since it is a collab. <laughs> Yo. It's not quite as, as smooth as I wanted. But now I'm thinking I'd rather try and fix it on the belt grinder. I know how to do it, so I'm just going to go to the other side now and, and do a 320, um, then tomorrow morning, because if I put that machine on now, I think my daughter will shit in her pants. <laughs> that thing's a beast. It's a beast of a, a grinder. When I was working on it today, I was like, it's so nice to have a machine that, d-. look, I wasn't pressing very hard, but yeah. that thing shouldn't bog down at all. It can bog down. Can it? It can, but it's, it's not... Not likely. Yeah. Because so you got a you got a two two horsepower. Uh, yeah, two so it's one and a half kilowatt. Yeah. But it's an old English motor, so Yeah, but robust as fuck. Yeah. I think that one actually came off the arc instead of <laughs> No it was using it to flip and drop the bolts. <laughs> well that's the thing, it didn't really need to go anywhere specific. Yeah. It just needed to survive. Yeah, if you it, believe it's in such, such a pity things. though, like on day thirty-nine, mm, unicorns taste wonderful. <laughs> I posted that on Facebook, bro. It was so good. It was so good. Tim told me that joke. 
And I didn't even give you credit for it in the comments. I'm yeah. such an asshole. I saw it on Facebook in a picture or something. Yeah. But I think, I, I might even think my brother might have shared it with me. Oh, uh, is it? Although my, my brother's a full-blown Christian, um, very involved with his church, he still has a sense of humor. And he, and he can see the light side and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not really mocking. It's not mocking. It's just having a laugh. It's having a laugh. It's like, it's... now we know why we don't have unicorns. There you go. That's all <laughs> it is. Unicorns taste lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like happiness and goodness. I'm sure that all of these myths regarding, you know, Bigfoot. And oh, look, I'm not saying it's a myth. I'm not saying it's a myth. Well, I'm just saying there's no substantial proof, right? Yeah, there's no scientific proof that Bigfoot exists. Yes. yes. But, you know, if you think about the evolution of man and you go back when um, the Neanderthals, was, we cohabitated the earth with Neanderthals, you know, our primitive form or whatever. But... Um, we became much more efficient at hunter-gatherer or at hunting that we could get a better protein source so we could develop faster. This is what speculates. Yeah. That's what speculated. Yeah. So the story of Bigfoot, it, it, could, it could be quite legit it, in terms of a long time ago, but I've yet to see any scientific proof that Bigfoot exists now. And my theory is, unless you're a fucking small insect, you know, if you're on this planet, they probably would have found you by now. It's very difficult to hide something that big. It is. It is. And the thing is, this because of technological advancements, even if you get a video of it, there's, there's, it's never really a guarantee that it's actually you need the body you need the body or you need some sort of proper scientific proof that mm. these things exist but what i was going to say about all these myths like the loch ness and and all of these oh, things exists definitely there what no i'm kidding <laughs> like first time i heard of it it's but, like um, that that you know that that Asian or Korean guy that uh, Joe Rogan had on that that really fucking weirdo. Oh, that weird guy. Yeah, he he's cool though. He he went to uh, the Congo in like the nineties or whatever mm. to go look for dinosaurs, and the locals told him, "Oh no, they you can find them over there," but he never found them. Yeah, hats off to him though for trying. Yeah, but that was like that's the type of crazy shit that guy did in his life. I mean. He was talking about it in, in, uh, on the podcast about he was working illegally on the kibbutzes in Israel, and he was sharing accommodation or whatever with South Africans and Australians, and he said they're so blatantly racist they don't even notice it, because <laughs> they referred to him as Mr Miyagi from Karate Kid. <laughs> but they. You know, we've got a sometimes look. There are racists in South Africa, definitely. Yeah. But um, we sometimes have a very dry six sense of humour. Yeah, it's not even from a vindictive or, or not condescending type of. Yeah, 
I mean, I have a lot of uh, black friends and I've had a lot of black friends in, in the past. Mm. And um, and I love black people, man. Yeah. They're uh, people. They're, they're so. just people. Like, this is the thing. It's, you know, this, this is the thing that upsets me. And I know a lot of people, it's a very controversial issue. But it's our flippin' podcast, so we can say what we, say yeah. what we want within reason. Yeah. But no homo. <laughs> How is that homo? <laughs> I had to get it in there somewhere. <laughs> you got to use it with relevance. Oh, oh okay, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, what was I going to say? We were talking about racism. Yeah. Black people or... But, yeah, black people, white people, Indian people, like, doesn't matter. you all people. We are mm-hmm. all one. We are all one flesh. Like, we, yeah. we are all people. We are all intelligent. You know, and, and this is the thing. I have found a lot of people... And look, I'm not trying to sound like a self-righteous cock. But uh, I've found... Nice one. I like the pronunciation on that. And I didn't follow through, which is always a bonus. Yeah. It's a good one. Anyway, the point is that it um, doesn't have to be like that, first of all. Mm. We have advanced in so many ways, but we're mm. still holding on to this stupid bullshit um, One racism. Is better than the other. Um, w- with, regarding whatever culture, mm. there's so many cultures have got so many issues with other cultures. Mm. And it's like, shouldn't we be able to sort of transcend that in this yeah. modern day of a, modern day and age mm. where we have a better understanding of you know it's like the thing that I told you about the Bushman the other mm. day uh, and I think that was on the last episode yeah where up until a Not little while ago. ago I can't remember exactly when it was but up until a little while ago it was still legal it was a, a relatively long time ago but not that long ago, where it was still legal to hunt Bushmen. Yeah, just not on horseback because that was unsporting. Because my, my so fucked up, man. One of my friends at varsity, his grandfather, I think, uh, actually had one of those permits, but he didn't. He had it for the like the novelty aspect that he's got this permit. Yeah. Um, okay, so didn't actually like, do it. No, okay. no he, he was. They're not the type of people to do that. But it's just like I don't know, man. Even getting, even getting it for me is like this. Well, the thing is, it's it's a part of the history. It's not a great yeah. part of our history. Yeah. But we have to recognise the fact that you know, in every culture, there, there are people that do some fucked up shit. Yeah. And we need to remember that so that we don't try and fucking repeat it. I mean. Uh, I was listening to Lex Friedman, and he's been doing a lot of reading on um, on Hitler, okay. and he, he's and evil. You know, you know, we in the in in the in the age where you got a person like Elon Musk, who's this super intelligent person doing good, but at the same time, you also have people that are doing bad shit. Yeah, that are intelligent people. Yes, and. It, he's trying to figure out more, like from the f- a philosophical or a. Who's this now, Lex Friedman? Lex Friedman, yeah. yeah. Um, from a philosophical point of view, how how do people what what turns the dial, you know, from good to evil? Okay. 
that's a big ballpark. Yeah, you know, is it is it nature versus nurture or um, explain that? So, is someone born like a Hitler, or did circumstance, specific circumstance, dictate that he was he led himself in that direction? Put it that way. Because he was a, apparently not a bad artist, and he wanted to get into a art school in Vienna or something like that, and he was denied, and that's when he started going all on this nationalistic or, you know, Third Reich type of shit or whatever. Um, I, and he was a, yeah. he was look I think he, he was, was very very troubled man. He was he was he was very uh, fucking cruel and and things like that. But he was still a very charismatic leader, and I mean he got people to do shit that they wouldn't normally do. I mean, when they had the the Nuremberg trials. Almost everybody there said, "Well, why did you do this?" Now I was following orders. Yeah. Um, you can't deny the fact that he led them for this fucked up purpose. Mm. Um, he led them with amazing um, strength. Yeah. And and put this sort of. But he was a madman. He was it's a madman. The same. We had a madman in South Africa. I don't know if you'd remember him, mm-hmm. um, Eugene de Blanche. Look, I don't, I don't know much about him. Okay, but but now Eugene de Blanche was the leader of the AWB, the Afrikaans Weerstand for Weerstand. They were they were a racist group. Okay. There's no two ways about it. But he was an extremely gifted orator. Mm-hmm. Or charismatic type leader, he could give speeches that could, you know, make you want to do shit that you wouldn't normally want to do. But he's he was also when he when he did his speeches, his speeches were always in Afrikaans because he was Afrikaner. Yeah. But he used the perfect Afrikaans language, you know, the higher Afrikaans, if I if I yeah, could like, say that. Yeah, almost like high Dutch or something. Yeah, but he he had a, he had a very good gift of. Of great command of the language of, of public speaking and oh, and, okay. and getting you know getting the audience to do like fall in with the mm. movement or whatever mm. the fact that his morals and everything else was corrupted didn't help yeah um, well it's a very dodgy game when you get yeah. somebody who's very charismatic and obviously has mm. Um, a personality that a lot of people uh, find appealing, yeah. uh, and and as I say, they've got this charisma about them, but they're also fucked up. It's and like, then you then you have this person and you put him in power, and now you've got a big fucking problem. It's like these. It's the same as these these um, religious cults or sects or things like that. Mm. Like when they had the Waco thing, and. Um, Charles Manson. Charles Manson was um, uh, Joe Rogan talked about it a lot, quite a bit. He was in this FBI program at the time of um, when Nixon was in charge, when they had the the 
all the hippies on LSD and stuff, and they Sounds cooked like him, a good time. <laughs> they cooked him up on LSD, but they also they they played all these mental mindfuck games with him, and he, and he picked up on it. And he was they were like supposedly giving him LSD because they were trying to get all these hippies to a way to get sort out all these hippies that are against the war, or whatever. Okay. And um, but he used their same techniques that they used on him to go and. They'd give him the LSD and then he'd go give it to all the hippies so they could get high. But he, he's, he was literally cooked by the by all the LSD they fed him. Mm. And it, it was crazy. It's, it's crazy what they did in those. They look, there's still fucked up shit going on in the world. But now it, now it becomes, with the age of the internet and stuff, it becomes a lot more difficult. Because now we are, although we are disconnected more... We are still in so much, so many ways. There's so much more inf- information or disinformation at our fingertips because of the internet. You know, you make you make one cuck comment or whatever, and the thing goes viral, and you your whole life has changed. <clears throat> this is yeah. Look, hmm. here's the problem. Here's the problem. If we have to break it down. Mm. We're, we're, and if we talk, this this goes back. Look, I'm specifically talking about racism here. Mm. You've got a problem where our forefathers had done very unhumane things, very wrong things mm. to people who didn't deserve it. Mm. And 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 even even if you could even if you could say that they did which they definitely didn't that's not what i'm saying mm. but there's never a good reason to to enslave people well you know it's it falls on on the thing of oh for the greater good what know? is the greater good for the, who for who for power that it's used as an excuse mm. so that so like when the Soviets took over, you know, and the communists, you know, oh no, for the greater good and things. And then in, what ended up happening is that you got this sort of elite group and you could be, you could be high sailing everything and all of a sudden someone doesn't like you anymore and then you're part of the bourgeoisie and you end up in the gulags. Sure. So the intention of the socialism was, and the communism was to make everybody equal and more distribution. But what ended up happening is it, it got completely, it, it, like it always happens, it, it just gets completely corrupted. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I, I don't know enough about this stuff to actually talk about it. So I... I hear what you're saying, but I, I can't You still actually, think I'm full of shit. I, no, 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 no. It's no. just that I can't comment on something that I don't know about. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I, don't wanna, I don't want to say something that's entirely incorrect because I just don't have enough knowledge on it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's look, just from a moral point of view, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we... Look, slavery is still going on. Mm. It's still going on. Yep. And it's fucked up. But most places in the world have, uh, you know, have people who earn their living 
and it's that's not slavery, even though in a way it is, because we're enslaved to the system. Mm. You know, I don't want to be a part of the system. Mm. I threw it on the ground. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. Oh, oh Molly, my man. Yeah, that oak was a fucking legend. He was a legend. I saw Rasta the other day while we were driving, and mm. you know we went to go and pick up uh, Chantal the other day from work. And, oh, yeah. uh, and I was sitting in the back after we had picked her up, and I saw this Rasta. He was wearing a Rasta beanie. Yeah. And uh, he's got his beard and everything, and a black eye, great looking, mm. like just a proper Rasta guy. Mm. And I've worked with a couple of them, and they mm. can graft like you cannot believe. Mm. Anyway, so I saw this guy, and I waved at him, and he just smiled, and he waved back at me, and I was like, ah, oh, my brood. I love it. I've I never in my 45 or 44 and a bit years on this planet ever seen an aggressive Rasta. Never. Never. Can you imagine? Mm. I remember, I think I've spoken about it to you before, but I remember there was this one guy, one of my first jobs coming out of, uh, of school, we used to um, deliver... Um, uh, basically chips and all sorts of snacks and mm. drinks and things like that to tuck shops all over the country. Mm. And um, there was this Rasta guy I used to work with. And he was always happy and he was always in a good mood. And when he needed to concentrate and get shit done, it just got done. Mm. He, he worked harder than, they were, than, than anybody else. In that mm. whole place. There was one other guy who was mm. who was quite an aggressive guy. But we used to call him Robocop. Because yeah. he was like a machine. Yeah. He didn't interact with people. He just worked. Mm. But he... Dude, that guy had the most solid back mm. I've ever seen. It's like we were working the one day and he bent down to pick something up. And his shirt lifted up. And you know those lower back muscles? Mm. Dude, they were like... They were... They ripped. were... Ripped. The fuck? Crazy, crazy strong. <clears throat> Not long after that, he got... Um, he got fired, which is unfortunate. I, mm. I can't remember what happened. But uh, he was a very cool guy. I liked him. The Rasta guy stayed on there. I think he's still there. Not sure. But I think their whole culture and the, and the thing is is being being they're sort of like a minimalist almost or essentialist. Yeah. You 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 only you only have to have what you need to get by. Yes. So why do you need a fancy sports car? They're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. They 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 got a roof over their head and they got food in their stomach. Mm. That's it. Eh? Everything's yeah. iry. Everything sorry. <laughs> I I love them so much because they just seem very happy. Yeah. Genuinely content. genuinely content and very happy. Mm. And that's the thing. People like I mean Joe's spoken about it a couple of times, Joe Rogan. Mm. Where he says that he's and, and Gary Vaynerchuk as well. Mm. He's spoken about, spoken about it as well, where he says he knows friends of his that earn a normal salary in terms of what your average Joe will make. 
And they're happy as fuck. And they are happy as fuck. Mm. But then you get these other guys who are... And I'm not saying that making lots of money is bad. Mm. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it is possible to be happy Mm. without money. Mm. In fact, having money doesn't mean that you're going to be happier. It makes certain things easier and more accessible. But I mean, there's... I don't know who said... Oh, it was um, Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty. Uh, Mind of a Monk. Okay. He went and actually, he was planning on being like a, a entrepreneur, computer, and you know, super genius. He he was on the right track, and one of his friends said, "Hey, there's a there's a Buddhist monk going to be doing this talk. Why don't you want to come with?" He says, "What do I want to know about? It? I want to be like, you know, with the J- Steve Jobs type." But, but anyway, he eventually ended up going, and it changed his whole life. He actually went and lived with the monks for three years. He lived like a monk. Is this that Indian guy who yeah. does those great videos? Yeah. He's a very cool guy. But um, he speaks a lot of wisdom. Mm-hmm. He said the reason he went and did it was because he had met far too many, like what is seen in the Western world as successful entrepreneurs with all the money, and they were miserable as hell. So it doesn't help. I think Jordan Peterson said it that you can't go searching for happiness mm. because you're never going to find it. Yeah, happiness is 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 gratitude and, and being in the moment and mm. being thankful. Yeah, yeah. If you just look at something like, um, you know, let's let's take a simple thing for example, like materialism. Mm. Materialism in this world, in this day and age, is a very, very, very big problem. People have always wanted nice things for sure. Mm. That's never, that's that hasn't changed. But what has changed is the the intensity of the niceness that we can acquire. It's the consumer. It's and the consumer culture that's been brainwashed into us. Yes. Oh, you got to have the latest phone. Oh, that. And 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 the Instagram images of mm. and you know, it's fake. It's so ridiculous. Mm. It's so ridiculous. Look, I, by no means am I saying don't enjoy your money. Mm. I'm not saying that. If you've worked hard for it, if it's the your money, is, it's great. You've Go got to do it. what makes you you happy. What yeah. what you enjoy doing. And if you if you, it's like Gary Vaynerchuk. It's the art of the of the deal and, and things like he doesn't mind losing. He doesn't mind losing. Yeah. But he enjoys the process yeah. of building. Yeah. And I mean he he still goes and does um, garage sales. Yeah. He's, I mean he doesn't need to. No, he but doesn't. he'll go and he'll buy shit and he'll just flip it on on uh, eBay for like or Craigslist or something. Just because he, it's the type of thing he enjoys doing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and what does he call it? A side hustle. A side hustle. And and it, that that this is the thing that Gary talks about a lot as well is that he talks about people. Everybody has the capability to do this shit, mm-hmm. but for a lot of people, it's like that's below me. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's a, it's it definitely is a mindset. You've got to if you want to hustle and you want to get money and you want to, you know, have a side hustle and all mm. these things. Like 
you can do it for sure. Mm. It's just what is beneath you? Is there anything beneath you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, you got to do it. And the thing is, you you got to fall in love with the process. Yeah. That's why I like rolling cigarettes so much. I love the process. But you see, the thing is, I like rolling them with with the hand with the rolling machine. And that's fine, dude. It's still rolling. It's 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 just so satisfying when you pop that thing out, and it's the something that you've made, and you're going to pollute your lungs with it. It's just it's it's semi like mindfulness almost. It just, it gives you a greater appreciation of. And you know, if you roll the shit one, mm. it's going to be a shit smoke, and you don't enjoy it. Yeah. And um, so the. It's, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I first started rolling when I went to the Western Cape. Mm. And, uh, oh, man, I couldn't roll a decent cigarette for months. Well, not months. Like, it was, was, it was proper a, hand rolling. It, there was no There was rolling. no machines. Mm. It was just hand rolling out in the bush. And uh, the first one I rolled was as tight as a Catholic girl. Ooh. It was crazy tight. Um, so the draw on it was really, really bad. It's like when you use those fucking... Those OCB earth-saving filters. Yeah. Fuck, it's like they suck starting... Earth, a, but they don't save your lungs. Yeah, it's like starting a fucking bowing. Jesus. Like, no, I'd rather smoke it plain in it out of fucking filter. Yes. The guys in the Western Cape, the, some of the colored guys I knew, they're really awesome guys. But they used to smoke... Without filters. Yeah. Just straight up. Mm. No pussyfooting around. They mm. were just going for it. It's like my I wife. even offered them filters. I said, don't you want to filter? No. And they would smoke it like this all the time. It's like my wife's uh, uncle, Stephen. He smokes cowboy smokes. You know, newspaper, grandpa, pa- grandpa papers. Which actually works well if you run out of papers. And that's, that's what he... And he collects all our stompies... Takes all the tobacco out, rolls his cowboy scape, and and it makes him happy. There's something about smoking secondhand tobacco which is very unpleasant. Yeah, it tastes like ash. It tastes terrible. It yeah. Tastes terrible. So, yeah, it's it's definitely not something I would like to do on a day to day basis. Mm. I have done it. Especially during lockdown. Yeah, when you can't get your supply. When you can't get your supply, you start resorting to all sorts of Crazy questionable shit. practices, to say the least. That's, That's a clean... What what lockdown is, has made me understand better is how people could be cannibals. That's a hectic bomb to drop. You know the, the Argentinian rugby team that... Their plane crashed in the Andes or whatever. Yeah. And they thought they were dead or whatever. They, they to survive, they resorted to cannibalism. The, the, what? The people that died. What's the laws on that, though? If you're in a, in a survival situation like that, it's it's survival. Yeah, it's survival. It's not like they went out and they killed people. It's just no, like, they died and then they ate them. Yeah, because there was just no food. I mean, it's up high in the Andes. There's, you feel, you're a city slicker. What the fuck do you know about survival? But it, it, it's it's mentally scarring. I can imagine. I think in India, you know, they, they do a lot of cremation. Yeah. 
but there's a small sect of people that actually go and eat bodies. What? Mm. In India? Mm. Because they they cremate the people on like a like a Viking cremation almost on a on a, like a raft in in the Ganges. Really? Yeah. That's why you don't want to drink the water from the Ganges because you're going to get deli belly. You're going to be shitting so fucking such a tight stream you could squirt it through a needle. Jesus. Yeah. Um. That's very hectic. I didn't know about that. Mm. I saw it on some documentary on fucking National Geographic. And this is still going on? Yeah, it still goes on. Shit. But it's like a religious thing. It's not... I mean, the person's dead already. It's not like they go out and kill people and then eat them. It's yeah. just like... It's like people eating fucking sushi. No, it's not. It's so not the same It's, it's so not... The, it, but, like, for some people, like for vegans, us eating meat... Yeah, like, okay. It's I the same as cannibalism. I hear what you're saying. So different strokes for different folks. Yeah. But um, I prefer beef or bacon, especially if it's halal bacon. Especially if it's Vaughn's bacon. I've never had Vaughn's bacon. I believe, look, I haven't had it myself, but I believe it is very, very nice. Jack is always going on about it, and Jack likes the best of the best. Well, normally when they when they do the Brian Blixen, Vaughn mm. organizes the... yes. The porker. Yes. Yeah, we went and saw his little operation going on there the other day. It's crazy. Man. But is he actually farm with pigs? Hmm? Does he does he have pigs as, on a farm? Yeah. You they, know how they, they they but they they indoors though. Yeah. The yeah. It's to me it's it's proper uh, pig farm. Yeah, it's a it's a proper farm. It's a mm. proper pig farm. So. Do you know how handy that is to know? Well, look, I don't, because I don't know anything about it, really. Um, because now we can get rid of bodies. They will, hey? They the only, the only thing you have to you have to do is you just have to pull the teeth and get rid of the teeth. Yeah. Because the, the, the teeth, they can't digest. But the bones, they just... They can consume a person in, like, fucking no time. And we saw one of the big boars... Yeah, the, the sows are okay, but a boar. The boars are massive. They are fucking other animals, eh? I mean, my Crazy. my friends, they they farmed with pigs for a while. When I when I first knew, knew Brad, when we were in Stone and Six, mm-hmm. they, they farmed with pigs. And for fun, you know how difficult it is to catch a fucking piglet if the piglets get out? Oh my goodness. fuck. It's almost impossible. Really? But what we used to do is we used to go and we used to ride on the sows. You can climb on them and ride them. Oh, yeah? You don't want to try that shit with the ball. The ball will fucking bite you. And he has some mean fucking teeth on Yeah. Them. Yeah. And Paul was off- showing us one of his uh, balls. Massive thing. Massive thing. But those- he had a pair of nuts on him the size of flipping... Titanic. The, the Titanic's anchors. <laughs> flipping Nora. I, I said to Vaughn, is that his nutsack? He says, yep. I'm like, holy mackerel. That's crazy. The ladies must be happy with that one. Well, I think that's not the area they're looking for size. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want big balls. Uh, I don't know. I don't the know. pressure buildup was so high, he shot the sow clean across the field. <laughs> 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 Sorry, guys. This is this is not extremely intelligent conversation right now, but it is fun. Yeah, and we, we are enjoying ourselves. We have to, otherwise, we otherwise we, we won't be hand sanding. 
But so, yeah, um, there's that quote in, in, in Snatch, the movie that you haven't watched with... Uh, yeah, I have to get to it, man. I just don't have time, man. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. Watch it. So I'll tell you about it. And one day, when when you're like retired, you can go and go back and watch the movie. Okay. But like um, uh, uh, Bricktop, he's explaining to these guys why it's why it's you shouldn't mess with a guy who knows who has pigs. Mm-hmm. He goes into the whole explanation of how much a pig. Uh, six pigs or whatever can consume a whole human body but then he says you have to pull the teeth because they don't digest the teeth or whatever but it's crazy and these these <laughs> it's a crazy movie yeah but yeah now that now that I know Vaughn's got pigs now I know where to get rid of the bodies yeah I, w- <laughs> I won't be upsetting you then <laughs> But y'all, pigs, pigs are, they're extremely intelligent animals, but yeah. they, they are use... also uh, pretty dangerous, I yeah. think. I think. I don't think, I know. There's, there's two things I worry about in the bush. Actually, there's actually three. Um, is a wounded bushbuck ram, a puff adder, and a bush pig. Mm. You know that the lions don't even try and hunt bush pig, they're that fucked up. <laughs> bush pig, they, they seem to me, at least in my experience, mm. they seem to be more aggressive than water. Yeah, and, and they are predominantly nocturnal because of the hunting pressure for, for many, many years. Because they're a problem animal, that they, they, they come completely nocturnal. So to see them in the day is, is very, very, very scarce. Mm. I've seen one pig in all my hunting time in the day and that was early in the morning and he was on his way to his spot where he goes to sleep um, okay that's why normally if they're hunting pigs in the day they'll do it with dogs so they'll pick up the trail and then the dogs will eventually corner the pig and then you should pick but you've got to be super fucking fit to stay up with those dogs yeah um, i should imagine and those dogs must get fucked up from time to time yeah you uh, brave hunting dogs don't last with pigs you want the ones that are a bit chicken shit. Because the brave ones will... Because if you don't get there quick enough, the pig starts fighting with the dogs. Mm. Because they get cornered eventually. Um, yeah, and the dogs won't give up, but they... Mm. Well, unless you have a chicken dog. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. You know your battles, for sure. Yeah. But, but yeah, some dogs are just machines, and they just mm. want to go in there and devour shit. Well, the way... I've never hunted with dogs. but um, Neither have I. The way Sullivan had explained it is, is what you do is, if you can get a shot beforehand, then you take the shot before the pig's cornered, like if you see it running or whatever. But if the dogs have cornered it, then the, their bark actually changes. Mm. And then he says, what you do is you get there and you, you figure out where all the dogs are barking at and you sort of set yourself ready with your rifle and then you bark like a dog and the pig normally comes running out towards you. And then it's, you've got to drill it or it drills you. <laughs> now, the guy he used to hunt with, he's, he's passed away since, um, mm. Gerald. They were hunting pigs because they always used to go with Gerald's father. And I mean, it was like every every Saturday almost because they, they're doing it for the, to, to sort out the problem animals for the farmers. Yeah. And uh, they picked up the spoor of a pig and the the 
what ended up happening is that Gerald got there first, but the dogs were already fighting with the pig. Okay. And uh, Sylvian came there, and the pig was there on the ground, and Gerald was there, but he was lying and he was in agony. So he asked him first thing, did the pig bite you? He said, no, he hit his thumb. Because what he did was, when he saw the dogs were fighting, he couldn't get a shot in, so he put his rifle down, which is mistake number one, mm. and then he picked up a rock that he was going to go in and, and hit the pig on the head. What? Mm. A big, like a big pebble, big uh, river stone. No, but he's got a gun. Yeah, but the thing is, you can't, sh- you can't shoot because the pig's fighting with the dogs. You're not going to get a oh, shot in. Oh, I see, I see, okay. I see, I see. So when he picked up the stone, the dog scattered. <laughs> And oh, the pig came no. straight for him. But he, he as it came towards him, he, he, like, he held on the head and he whacked it on the head with the stone. But the problem was his thumb was between the stone oh, and the pig's head. no. So his thumb was like the size of a fucking watermelon almost. <laughs> he said, no, I didn't, I didn't, didn't bite me. I hit my thumb. Oh, my gosh. That's all. I know. I'm sure we all know about that, but. More recently for me. Yeah, I, I can see your thumb. Yes. It's still a, a yes. brighter shade of purple. <laughs> <laughs> the, I had to release release pressure from this three times. Yeah. It's crazy. It's really bad. It's never fun to hurt your baby toe, your your pinky, or your thumb. Your thumb and it's, it's strange how if you've, like, kicked one of your toes, everything fucking finds that toe. Oh, yeah. You won't kick another toe. You'll kick that toe again. Yeah. Well, I think that you're just more conscious conscious of it because of the pain. Yeah. That's there. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's just honestly how it is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the hand sanding is coming along the fingers or not. They, they are broken. I think we need to have another coffee break, though. I think that's a just idea. Yeah, because how's that blade looking? I've just finished the the bevel, so I've just got to do the false edge now on three twenty. Then okay. both sides are to three twenty, and then tomorrow morning I can quickly just clean up those plunge lines a little bit, and then mm-hmm. slap through the other bits quickly. Liquor, um, liquor, sounds good. But yeah, that's been two hours of conversation already. Already, yeah. My goodness. Well. I think we'll uh, cut it yeah. there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this wonderful journey to Never Neverland, <laughs> where life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get with us <laughs> into some obscure places. It's, it's been a great convo. I, I, I honestly didn't think that that much time had passed already. Yeah. But, and my um, daughter actually, we were standing in the kitchen just now, yeah. a while back actually, and says, don't you ever tell me that I talk too much because you two just take the cake. Obviously, we're practicing for the podcast. We're practicing for the podcast. <laughs> but we genuinely most, well, all of the time, we have good conversations. Yeah. And it's just it's just great. And that we were talking about that today, what, how much we enjoy doing the podcast. Mm. It's just nice to, like, sit, work, chat. Yeah. Just, you know... Ex- explore the mind. Um, explore different ideas. Yeah. It's, Learning. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't know. For me, I, for some reason, I always find it very enjoyable to have these discussions and 
and debates about all sorts of subjects, some of which mm. I know absolutely nothing about. Most of which I know fuck about. Well, but yeah. uh, it's still fun. Mm. It's still fun and it's just it's, enjoyable. It's, it's, it's almost like philosophizing, you know. You, you, you know, search, a man's search for meaning or something like that. It's like... What what is our, the the point of our existence or something or what, what can we learn from other things or you know what is what does it mean to like how do you judge yourself as being like a successful knife maker um, or successful person put it that way well it. I think, first of all, it all very much depends on how you personally measure success. Yeah. That's that's the first thing. Um, but second of all, you know, there was that thing that, that we spoke about a while ago about the, the this uh, teacher. I think he was a math teacher or something, and uh, he was teaching kids this life lesson with these demonstrations mm. and he had uh, pebbles gravel mm. uh, sand. sand and two beers yeah and he went through this whole thing and and i'm i'm not gonna explain the whole thing yeah but basically what he was saying is that if you try and put things into this jar in the wrong order, mm. you will not fit everything in. You won't have space for the important things. You won't have space for the important things. That's right. So if you put the sand in first and then the rocks, it's not going to work out. Mm. Uh, but if you put the rocks, the big rocks in first, so those would be all the important things, and then you put the gravel in, and then you put the sand, and then you put the the two beers in, which was his way of saying you've always got time to have a beer with there's a friend. Al- there's always space for a beer with a friend. Yeah, which is lovely. It's a great way of putting it. Um, but yeah, it's... I think... Look, not everybody wants to have a complicated life. Not everybody wants to be famous. Not everybody wants to be a knife maker or whatever it is. But you've just got to figure out for yourself, what do you actually want? Mm. What do you actually want? Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of people out there, especially young people, who think they know what they want, but Mm. they... They don't really. They think they know what they want because they want other people to look up to them or they want people to think, oh, this guy's made it or mm. whatever it is. And so a lot of it is based on what is what is socially acceptable and what is socially respected, you know, and, and what we think other people think of us. And, oh, it's just... You know, you've got to shit. figure out what do you want? What do you want? And I mean, I think there's people even in their like 50s and 60s who still don't know, haven't figured out what the fuck they want. Yes, there is that. But yeah, look, I haven't reached that age yet, so I, I have no advice for those people. Mm. Um, but, you know, if you, if you don't know, if you haven't figured out what you want, you must try and experience lots of different things until you figure out yeah what it is that blows your hair back yeah yeah absolutely and I mean that's that's what Gary Vaynerchuk encourages yeah. as well 
is do as much as you can when you are young. Mm-hmm. Do like explore things. He said it's not the time to play things safe. Yeah. Look, if that's what you want, once again, that's great. Go and go and do the safe thing. If that's what you want, if you want some mm. sort of secure job where you can support your family and all of those things, mm. which is all very good reasons. Mm. But, uh, you know, if you do want to find out what you actually love and, and pursue that, the time is when you're young mm. to go and experiment with these different things. Because when you get to my age, to make a change is so much more difficult because now you've got so many more responsibilities. Sure. I should imagine. This is just so satisfying. What? Getting all this... All the scratches out? Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. It's actually very enjoyable. What's crazy is I think I'm seeing a hamon on this side, but not on the other side of the blade. I'm not sure yet. It could just be very strategic scratches. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... Yeah, guys, I think that is going to be it for the evening. Yeah, we need coffee. We need coffee and we need to work. Yeah. So uh, we'll be seeing you all at Brooklyn Life Show. For those of you who can get there. Yes, um, be, there. be there. If not, watch out for our live streams. Yes, we will be doing live streams during the course of the day. Um, Tim will man the table for, for one part of the Brooklyn Life Show and I'll go and do a live and then... Mm. We'll see if we can go and do it together, but mm. I, I'm just not sure how that would work unless we sell out on the first day. That's awesome. Yeah, so guys, get to the first day early so we can sell all our shit and we can Yeah, then we can just go and interview knife makers. Mm. That would be incredible. But yeah, it's going to be a great place to connect with uh, all sorts of people mm. who are very good knife makers, collectors, uh, people who are interested in, in getting involved in knife making. People are just interested in knives or craftsmanship or anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think a lot of people could gain a lot from just being there mm. um, because it's a, it's a great community of people and, um, and, it's, and it's a great show. It's a great show it's, and it's organized by a great man. So, yeah, so um, Niels, we, we couldn't end the podcast without blowing some smoke up your ass. We have to. We yeah. have to. It's not it's non-negotiable. Although, Niels said to me, if I don't blow more smoke up his ass, he's going to cancel our table. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Make me believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a legend. <laughs> he is a legend. Yeah. Anyways, guys, as I said, we will see you at the Brooklyn Live Show. Yeah. And we're looking forward to that. So have a lovely evening. and or day uh, or whatever. Yeah, or day, wherever you are. And we'll chat to you again soon. Cheers, Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Uh, enjoy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearthcast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearthcast. And we'll see you again real soon. <laughs>